And this week we're in verse 9 of of Matthew chapter 5, and we'll read through the whole statement, uh, 1 through 12, just to reorient ourselves. We've got two left to go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And obviously this week, we're we're narrowing in on verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And as I examined this scripture and kind of meditated on it for the last few weeks and have been dissecting and and looking things up, uh, the title for today's message that I came up with was A Whole New You. A Whole New You. There's kind of a, a double meaning here because when we look at this verse, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. The word that obviously sticks out, it's the big word right in the middle is peacemakers, right? And, and if you dig deeply into that, that it's the Greek word there that's being written in Matthew is arenopoios. And, and that literally means to make peace, right? It's, 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 it's a literal interpretation that, you know, Matthew is making and he's writing here. But, but ultimately, how many of you know that sometimes when we say words or certain phrases in, in the context of culture or the time can have a deeper meaning? And really, the the type of peace that you're making, the how to this peace that Matthew is speaking about here is is deeper. And he kind of explains it in the word. It literally means to make peace, but, but by making something whole by putting all of the essential pieces together. And I I think what Jesus is saying here is not just blessed are the peacemakers, but, but the how of peacemaking is blessed are the people who are made whole. And, And I think that for us, there's, there's two sides of this because it's, it's both internal and external. There's a making whole of ourselves that we experience with God, but there's also a making whole of the people around us by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so we're going to have a a chat this morning about this idea of of being made whole, being made complete, and how we can spread that to the people around us. Because I think what's so powerful about this is is that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And and he says it in a way where there's kind of a, a continuation to it. This is not something that you experience once. I think we live under the illusion in culture that peace is a destination. It's a finishing point. And and that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, blessed are the people who are making peace, who are continually pursuing wholeness and, and helping others experience the same wholeness that they have found in Jesus in their lives one day at a time. So we're going to pray over this morning and and invite the Holy Spirit in to do what I can't do, which is move in the hearts and minds of people and teach us something today. So, Lord, we just thank you for today. 
We thank you for one more day, one more crack at it. And we pray, Father, that now as the word comes forth, that you would have your way, that your Holy Spirit would would reign in this place and move in the hearts and minds of people and that you would remove me from the situation and that everything that people are meant to hear and, and be impacted by would happen, that experiences with Jesus would happen in this room, Father, and that we would leave changed today. We wouldn't leave the same. Your Holy Spirit is moving already and doing something. And so we freely invite you in unhindered to move and have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When I, when I think about this, this, this topic, blessed are the peacemakers, I think, like I said earlier, there's, there's two sides to this coin. And, and first is blessed are the people who are made whole. And I, I think we have to start there because we have to start with the internal before we can move to the external because I'm a big believer that you cannot give someone something that you don't have, right? I, I can't help you into peace or wholeness or completeness in Jesus if I don't have that experience and that, that relationship myself. And so it's important to understand where we start with this whole conversation and I think there's, there's three ways, practically, that we're made whole or more complete. And the first is that we, we find peace in Jesus. There's really no other starting place here, right? And I think that as we look at this passage of Scripture in Romans, I would, a quick aside, if, if, you're, if you're a new believer, you're coming back to the faith, um, and you're just looking for something to read to help you really ground your faith in a lot of theology or, or really what do we believe, uh, I would start in Romans. Get an easy translation like the NIV or the NLT, something that's plain and simple, and just take a few weeks, maybe even months, and just chew on Romans for a bit because Paul writes this doctoral thesis, essentially, to the Romans that breaks down everything from beginning to end. And it's, it's, it's meaty, uh, but it's powerful if you can sit in it and really uh, think about it and meditate on it. But we see in, in Romans 5 here, Paul says this. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Let me tell you, I'll pause right there before we move on to the second half. We, we don't inherently have peace with God. There, there, there is in our life when we are born a, a chasm that separates us, and, and sin is that thing that separates us from God. You are not naturally in the flesh at peace with God the Father. But, this is a good one, because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have been made right in God's sight by faith. And we have to understand that the whole conversation that's about to happen and all the other points I'm, I'm going to hit are, are, are good, but it all starts here with Jesus. If there's no because of Jesus, then none of the other stuff matters. We have to plant ourselves on the, the firm foundation of, of, of fact that because of Jesus, I'm made right with God. So, so I've got to get with Jesus, otherwise there is no way to connect. Jesus has made a way where there is no way. And what has that done? Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. There, there's two sides to this making whole by Jesus. First and foremost, if you've not come to faith, there's salvation. But I want to tell you for the believers in the room, there's more to life than salvation, right? An, a, a big church word that, you know, simple meaning is, is sanctification, 
Like we believe in salvation, that Jesus saves, but we also believe that after that, it's just not like a light switch and everything is solved. There's a process called sanctification, which is a fancy way of saying, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And so when we find peace in Jesus, this is not meant to be a once in a lifetime moment that just ends right here. Okay, we're good. No, Jesus tells us that we're to lay down our cross daily and follow him. And on that journey, as we're pursuing Jesus and we're pursuing what he has for us, we're going to become more and more like him and find the peace with God that Jesus offers us. And, and we have to start there. That's, that's the foundation. And it should bring you comfort if you're a believer and you're continually revisiting this, that, that God is for you. He has sent his son. It's done. It's finished. The, the, the way that he could love you the most, he has loved you. And he's, he's waiting with arm extended to say, hey, come and follow me. I've got more. I've got salvation. Okay, good. I've got sanctification. Oh, good. I've got another level. I've got more. Keep on the journey. Keep moving. And every day that you wake up and you have breath, you've got one more day to go further with Jesus. From there, that's our, our starting point. We move into the second point, which is we, we find peace in prayer. We find peace in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We, ha we have to understand this truth. I was away last weekend visiting family, and I was in Jacksonville, and I visited a church there, so I'll give Pastor Rains the credit. He, he, you ever, like, you're in church, right, and the pastor just says something, and you look around, and everybody else just thought he said some words, but it was an arrow that hit you in the heart? That, that happened to me last weekend. He, he got up there, and he said just the simplest statement, but it stung, uh, and it was God speaking right to me, and he said, hey, RJ, you are a spiritual being. And I thought, I mean, you know that, right? But like just in that moment, he, he didn't say RJ, like, but he, he was just talking to the crowd. He said, You're, you are spiritual beings. And I thought to a second, and when I, when I read this verse, if you don't read it in the context of you're a spiritual being, if you read it in the flesh, like I have to perform, I have to strive, I have to check the boxes, that's an intimidating verse to read to think you've got to handle it. You've got to do something. Don't be anxious about anything. Nobody else thinks that's funny? Okay. Don't, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, just pray and make your request with thanksgiving, and we got this. No, but if I live like I'm a spiritual being, then I, then I have to set that foundation of salvation in Christ and then proceed from there with trust that God provides. Once I'm a child of God, once I've been grafted into the family, once I'm a believer by faith, then I have to understand as a spiritual being, I can trust God with anything. And it, and it doesn't make sense any other way. It's impossible to do on your own, but you plus God in the equation makes the impossible possible. And it says in every situation by prayer and petition. Have you ever signed a petition? You're walking down the street and they come at you with the clipboard and you don't have time, but you listen, right? Or at least you try to most of the time if you try to be a nice person, right? But nobody just signs a petition, right? You, you, you hear what it's about. And then you think to yourself, do I want to put my name on this? 
And, and then you, you, you weigh the pros and the cons and you make a judgment and then maybe you go all in and you sign the petition. Okay, I'm for this thing. This is, this is Paul saying, this, listen, this prayer thing is, is no small thing. Now we have a good Father God who's gracious and loves you and he wants every prayer. But I think as Christians, as believers, we need to be measured about the things that we're taking to God. Is, is this petition worthy? Have, have I weighed the pros and cons? Have I taken a step back? Have I thought about this? Have I made judgments about what I'm about to enter into the throne room of God through prayer and ask the almighty God, Father of, of heaven and earth, right? Am I, am I, do I know what I'm about to ask him for? And that, that's an intimidating question, and it should be. And then, right, Paul hits us with this, with thanksgiving, and I've got to have a good attitude, God. Like there's an attitude requirement. Yes, God, Paul is saying, hey, hey, there is peace for your situation through prayer. Every situation. But be measured about how you take it to the Father. Be considerate about your situation and your thoughts. You are in control of your attitude no matter the situation or circumstance you find yourself in. And then present it to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your, your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's important that we find our peace in Jesus and then we move to a, a lifestyle of, of prayer where we can advance the kingdom through prayer and find peace in the quiet place, in the secret place with God. But there, there is a particular order to that process. Finally, and I think this is my, my favorite point, is we find peace in purpose. You find peace in purpose. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, um, and this is just a few chapters after the Beatitudes, Jesus is talking to another group, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I don't know if you've uh, farmed any fields lately, uh, but if you don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is, is basically a wooden crossbeam that you would use to attach two oxen together, and then you would attach them to the plow. And obviously, it's much easier to plow a field and navigate it quickly, efficiently, to make more food, and therefore you know, more profit with two oxen than by yourself, right? And so in, in this analogy, Jesus is saying, hey, you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, the, the, the language there that Jesus says literally means toiling. If you've ever toiled, that's like a word that like feels like what it is, right? He's, he's saying, hey, you people, if you're continuously in motion, but you're going nowhere, why don't you come to me? And, and see if you can find rest with, with me. And the funny thing is we translate it rest, and it, we should. That's what the word means. But really what Jesus is saying here is not physical rest. He's talking about spiritual rest. The word there is actually the word we get tranquility from. He's saying there's this tranquil inner peace that's available to you in me that's not available when you're just spinning your wheels and, and toiling in, in the flesh. And that's not to say that like work isn't good and, and stuff like that, but what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is saying, hey, there can be a kingdom purpose in what you're doing. And, and, and he's not saying don't work. He's telling you he's going to give you a yoke. 
Like, I, like he's going to put you to work. There is work for you to do, but he's saying it's, it's my work, and there can be my work in your work. And, and the beautiful thing about a yoke is it's, it's not built for one, it's built for two. And Jesus says he's closer than a brother. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And so what is he telling the disciples here? He's saying, hey, come to me and find rest for your soul and my purpose for your life, and I'll walk through it with you. It's me and you. That's why it's easier, because you're not alone. And so we have to understand that that there, there is work for us out there. And I would encourage you at this point, we have growth track and we want you to serve in the church. But if you don't ever serve in the church, that's okay too. But serve somewhere. Like figure out, a practical step would be figure out the things that move you. When like you're scrolling through social media or you're watching the news or you're talking with your friends about stuff that's happened in the world, the stuff that makes you angry or the stuff that makes you cry or the stuff that like burdens your heart for, for people, like, if you're not doing anything, like, just go that way. Go that direction, right? Whether it's, it's, it's people that are being trafficked or hunger or homelessness or whatever. Or maybe it's just Little League, and you're going out there, and you're, you're coaching little kids up, but you're encouraging them, and you're talking them up, and you're doing whatever you need to do. There is kingdom purpose everywhere because people are everywhere, and that was Jesus' purpose. So find that thing and just go in that direction, and then if it feels wrong, then go in, the, go in another direction. And ask the people around you, hey, you know, is there anything you help out with that I can help, help out with? Absolutely. Just get involved. I think those three areas of our life, if, if we can find peace there, then we can start to turn our attention outward and utilize the power of the Holy Spirit that God has gifted us to spread peace strategically and so I think if we kind of flip Jesus' statement a little bit more externally, it's blessed are the peacemakers or blessed are the people who make others whole. Of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In your flesh, you can't do anything alone. But the first way that I think that we, we do this, we spread peace, is through perspective. In Genesis 1... Verse 26 and 27, it says, God said in, in the beginning, when he's creating everything, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. This is like the easiest thing to say from the stage and the hardest thing to live, right, every single day. But we've got to, if we're going to spread peace, we've got to fight to intentionally see people the way Jesus saw people we've got to. And, and here's, here's the deal. And I think, I think a great example of this in the disciples is Peter, right? You've got this gung-ho teenager that's like, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. You gave me purpose. I'm like the number one. He's going around sticking his foot in his mouth everywhere, volunteering for things, stepping out on top of water like he's going to walk on it. And then he did for a minute and chopping people's ears off and say, I'll never deny you. And he's, he just go, go, go. And then at the end of the life, right, at, at the end of Peter's time, we see Peter, an older Peter, a more mature Peter. In, in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, Peter writes, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter, Peter got it at the end, right? He was gung-ho. He was like, let's go. Let's do this. Fine. You're not with us. You're against us. No. 
Peter realizes at the end, no, I've, I've shifted my perspective. I've, I've caught a true glimpse of, of who Jesus is. And so I've got to be patient with people because he, he was for every single one of them. My Jesus, my Savior, he's, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all, to all means all, to come to repentance. And so Peter realizes, man, Jesus was so patient with me. I, how can I not be patient with everybody else? And sure, that's a lifetime of wisdom and experiences with Jesus, but it's something that we can learn from his example right here. People are made in God's image and likeness. We, we have to fight to be intentional and see them the way that God sees them, patient, waiting for repentance, waiting for that moment. That's why we do this, what we do every Sunday. That's why we get here early and set up curtains in the back and do all kinds of weird stuff is so that one person, even if it's only one, can show up and have an experience with God. And that makes it all worth it. Every early morning, every, every sacrifice, everything, because I'm just like Peter. I, I, I got it. I, thank God he was patient with me. Let me make space for him to experience that with somebody else. We spread peace through perspective, but we also spread peace with unity. And I think, I think this one could be tough to kind of catch, like, how does this fit? But if we're talking about wholeness, togetherness, then we have to understand that the opposite of that is division. And, and so if the opposite of that wholeness and completeness in Christ is division, then we have to fight for unity. It says in John 17, this is Jesus. He's about to go to the, the cross. He's with his disciples. He's praying for his disciples. And he segues and says, I'm praying not only for them, my disciples, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might become one heart and mind with us. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, if you didn't know this, he prayed for you right now. Like, like Jesus, about to go to the cross, right, prayed for you. And, and what he prayed for was not success, it was not fame, it was not money, it was not an easy life. He said, God, the goal is for them to become one heart and mind. That's the goal. One heart and mind with each other and then with you and I. And so we, we have to, if we're going to pursue a lifestyle of peace, if we're going to be peacemakers, we have to pursue a lifestyle of peace, a lifestyle of unity. Why? Because then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. That's the easiest way to convince people that there's a God. So wait a minute, all you people, you get together and you like each other? You're, you're together in this thing? Your community, you show up for each other when stuff's not going good? Wow, that's different. That's, that's the easiest. Well, you don't need to sit down and have a 10-hour conversation with somebody about all the theology of the, the gospel. No, you just keep showing up for them. You seek unity and togetherness with one heart and one mind. And when, when hopefully someday we'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way that you've 
loved me. I think the practical thing here, if we go back a slide, is, is James 3.18. Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and re reap a harvest of righteousness. It, it's, it's not one big speech that's going to make us unified. It's little things, little seeds, one thought here, one word there, one action. Showing up, being intentional as, as much as, as possible. Having a right mindset so that we're present, right? We think about, we talk about unity and we talk about, in the last point, perspective, right? A lot of people say, you know, what, if you knew you had one day to live, what would you do? Well, Jesus knew and he washed people's feet. That's what he did with his last day. He, he was intentional with people one at a time, all the way through the disciples, even the one that would betray him. Now, I'm going to take care of you because there's still a shot. I'm going to be intentional. I'm not going to see you the way the world sees you. Sometimes we make Judas the scapegoat. Yeah, maybe, I, don't, I don't know what the outcome is there. I don't know if he's in heaven or he's not. Forget about that. Jesus loved him, even to the death on the cross, that he died thinking about him just like he died thinking about you and about me. Lastly, we, we, have, to, we have to spread peace through the gospel. And ultimately, I think all three of these things align with one another really, really well. I think that's a God thing and not something that I came up with. If I came up with, it'd probably be worse. Um, I don't know what I was about to say. If you find Jesus, you find perspective, and you can spread it. If you find prayer, you'll find unity, and you, you can create it and spread it. If you find your purpose it's going to be rooted in the kingdom and in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in the verse here in Matthew, this is right before Jesus, right, ascends to, to heaven. He's conquered death in the grave. He's there with the disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am always with you even to the end of the age, like what a cool like mic drop moment for Jesus. And then he's like, ah, oh. right? But we have to understand, right? Jesus's heart here is for the gospel to be spread. Go and make disciples, teach them. This goes back to my, my first point. You, you, you can't give someone something you don't have. We've gotta be students of the gospel. We've gotta read the Bible. We've gotta be in prayer. We've gotta be willing to be placed in a position where we can teach people who don't know who God is. The way that that happens, though, is, is by making space in relationship, right? The, the, the greatest way that you can spread peace through the gospel is by loving people in a way that they give you space to speak into their lives when they need it. And I, I've, I've been a witness to this People don't want to hear what you have to say until they know you care. But the moment somebody is convinced that you care about them, that, that, that they matter to you, I've seen it. People walk into my office and sit down and say, hey, I'm going through this thing, and what do you think about this? And I'm going to preach the gospel over them. They don't know the advice that I'm giving them is coming from God's word, but it's still happening. And if they give me space to go a step further and be even more transparent and intentional, I'll do that too. But God is going to draw people to you when you have 
an attitude of spreading the gospel, spreading peace, when you are a peacemaker. And I think the second half of this verse is so beautiful. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. You ever had that moment, right, when you say that thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm my dad. I'm my mom. I just, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. But sometimes we do that, right? And we, we feel it in that moment. We're, we're an echo of our father, of our mother. And I think the same applies here in a, in a spiritual sense. When you're making peace, you're an echo of your father in heaven. When you're seeking to be made more and more whole, more and more like Jesus, taking on his perspective and pursuing what he has and kingdom purpose, you're never more like Jesus than when you're making peace. If we go back to Philippians, what does it say? The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. You want a practical way to define that? Being a peacemaker means being a per- person that guards the hearts and minds of people around you. I don't think anybody's ever logged on to Facebook or Instagram and thought, man, how can I guard some hearts and minds today? That, we, we've got to take that attitude, though. It's got to be intentional. James says it's like planting seeds one day at a time. I've, I've got to be for my friends, for my family, for my kids, for my loved ones. I've got to be a, a, a heart guarder a mind guarder, a defender, because that's what Jesus is doing for us. He's up at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me and saying, no, get that thought out of here. No, get that thing away from here. No, she can't. No, let, let me help him through this. And the more and more we become like Jesus, the more and more we stand in the gap for our friends. And we say, no, you're not going to be, you need help doing this. Okay, you need me over here. And all of a sudden we, we, we get in this posture. We don't even realize we're doing it. We're just, oh, you need the shirt off my back? Okay. Oh, you need me to help you move? Oh, okay. You're going through, you just need me to sit next to you? Okay, I'll do that. That's when you're a peacemaker. And that's when somebody looks at you and says, you got to be a child of God. And the verse takes care of itself. It's a beautiful thing. And so today as we close and, and we wrap up, I just want to make space. If, if, if you've never called yourself a child of God, if you want to take that first step of finding peace in Jesus, I want to invite you into that. And if you're coming back to the family of God and you've been gone for a minute or you just need prayer, the prayer team's going to be up here at the tables at the end of service. We just we want to pray for you. We want, we want to be a peacemaker for you here at the altar. So with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, because this is a personal moment with Jesus, let's make space for people to have a moment with him. Today, you can experience a whole new you. If you would just say, God, I, I've been spinning the wheels. I've been moving, but I've been going nowhere. So I'm just going to give you a go. I'm going to take you at your word that you are who you say you are. You're, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I'm going to let go and trust you. I'm going to find peace in Jesus today and the next day and the next day and just see where that t- takes me. And if, if that's you today and you would say, man, I've never found peace in Jesus. I want to say yes to him for the very first time. Just raise your hand up and I'll, I'll pray for you. But it's an outward expression of something that God's doing on. You can take a step and say, yes, that's me. I'm going to take a step today and tomorrow and the next day. On the count of three, one, 
two, three. Awesome. If you want prayer today for something, we're going to pray right now. And as the the band plays and, and sings a song to close out, take this moment, take this opportunity to step into prayer with someone that will stand in the gap and, and make peace with you. Lord, we just, we're so thankful for today, for the sweet time that we've had in worship, for the amazing word that you've brought forth, Father, the way that your Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts and minds of people. God, I just, I just pray today that you would just teach us. You would just help us. You would encourage us. You would lift our heads and that we would know we can set a firm foundation in you and that we can pursue a lifestyle of peace, of wholeness and completeness in you because of your son, Jesus. And we can share that because of the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us. So let us not take that lightly, but help us truly become children of God. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.